The Richard Ivey School of Business is obviously located very close to us because we are based in Toronto and they're based in London, Ontario. So I'm going to put out the special podcast. I normally don't put out podcasts per schools, but we do get a lot of requests from Ivy MBA students because of the proximity that we share. And uh, this is a general guideline in terms of the experiences we have had dealing with Ivy MBA students over the last maybe two years. Um, and the reason I also chose to put out this podcast is because the one-year MBA programs tend to have a different kind of um, cycle through which students need to go through and a different kind of preparation process versus the two-year programs that are more common in the United States and parts of Europe. So this will be a podcast which is not going to focus on generic advice that you can find elsewhere. I'm not going to focus on things like getting your resume right and so on because that applies to all other programs. I'm going to focus to advice that is specific to this particular business school and um, and the unique challenges that students going through this business school will face. And I would suppose that a lot of the advice here would be also relevant to other one-year programs. But um, we're also going to talk about specific things to this business school. And if you're an Ivy student, the reason I'm putting this out is because I want you to be able to refer to this podcast uh, before contacting us for information and guidance and so on. I'm going to try to cover as much as I can in this podcast. So just a couple of things for those people who don't know the business school. You know, depending on the... On the um, on the rankings you look at, it's either regarded as the best business school in Canada, as one of the best business schools in Canada. But clearly, you know, the rise of Rotman Business School at the University of Toronto has, to some extent, displaced the um, cachet that Ivy had over many, many years. So at, the, at, at one point, it was the only MBA program in Canada. It was certainly the first in Canada. But over the last few years, um, several Canadian MBA programs have risen to capture more of the prestige side of the market. And also other one-year programs have also risen. I mean, INSEAD is widely regarded as the world's number one one-year program. So let's just talk about what happens here. The IV program begins, I think this year it began on the 4th of April. But technically what happens is that one month before the program officially begins, students can um, attend the IV campus uh, and attend something called a PKP program, which is a program whereby you can brush up on analytical skills, accounting skills, and finance skills. Basically, it's a pre-MBA program for those people who don't have this kind of training uh, in their former undergraduate degree. So you, you may have an arts degree, you may have a, a history degree, you may have a literature degree, and some of the skills you need for your MBA um, you you may have it lacking and this program allows you, this one-month program allows you exposure to it. So I think about, from what I've seen uh, over the few years, about half of the class takes the program and they work over a period of a month uh, being exposed to these disciplines which will be essential for the MBA. And what happens in, when April begins, it's it's pretty much trial by fire because for many students, firstly, you know, doing an MBA is, is an intense experience. And what Ivy does, like NCAT, is it squashes it into a basically 12-month period. And the way the program is structured is that some of the more heavier modules, the core modules, as I think it's called in most schools, the mandatory modules are done start starting April. Things like economics, which is um, led by a very distinguished professor from MIT, Tony Frost. Uh, the accounting discipline led by, I think, I think Vaughn leads that at, M at um, Ivy, um, the operations discipline, the marketing discipline, and so on. So these are very intense programs that are very intense modules that are done in April. And what I find with many students is that a lot of students coming into MBA programs are career switches. Ivy is no different. They're going into Ivy trying to either leapfrog into finance, and Ivy tends to be a really big school in finance, especially in the northeastern United States and Canada, 
or go into consulting. So these are career switchers. That means that they don't really have the background foundation or even the knowledge of how to make the switch before they start the MBA. And the opening the MBA program can allow them to make that switch. But because you're doing these heavy core modules, because you're working in a case-based environment which forces you to do the work before you arrive at the class so that you can discuss it in class, and whereby you have to work in case teams beforehand, you know, so you've got to read the case, meet with your team, discuss it, and then come to cl class the next day. And because of the fact you're doing this in a year means you don't really have the time to focus on anything but your studies. And what I find invariably happens is that from about... April till about June, everyone's just focusing on their grades, which is what they should be doing, or they're trying to adjust to the nature of the program. I mean, from what I've seen, you know, for many people, the case-based system is not something they're naturally inclined to uh, thrive in, so they struggle. You know, they struggle with this format of firstly debating concepts in class in front of everyone, or they just struggle with this idea of contributing and being able to state their opinion by putting up their hands and fighting for FaceTime with the lecturer. So April is really intense, and I find you know, most students just don't have the time to do anything but just keep their head above the water. May is also intense. You know, you've, you're basically doing a module per month and you've got exams coming up. And while you're writing one exam, you've got another module coming up. Um, and most students, from what I find, the ones who don't have an engineering or science background tend to struggle with a module called DMA, Decision Making with Analytics, I think it's called, headed up by uh, a bunch of, I think it's a Stanford guy, Zarek. So the point is that April, May, June is pretty much dead time, right? So you, you're just too busy trying to to survive that you can't really do much. And what happens is that while this is all going on, career management, I think as it's called at Ivy or whatever the career office is called, they're busy arranging a whole lot of functions and so on. And what they most likely will do is come June, July, I think it happens in July, they will arrange a trip for students to network in uh, downtown Toronto. And, and I think the students also arrange their own trip to New York. And I know one class one year went to London, another class went to Shanghai and so on. But the point is this, to put into perspective, you've got all this coursework that's taking place in a compressed time period and the heavy courses. Career management is arranging a whole lot of events, right? So these events culminate in something I think called, what is the name for this event? I think it's called Get Connected, but I'm not sure. So you have Get Connected Week or Get Connected Day, whereby everyone goes off to Toronto and they stay in a hotel for three nights or something like four nights. And what happens is the careers office sets up all these meetings with firms like um, Morgan Stanley and you know Credit Suisse and uh, Royal Bank of Canada and so on to present to candidates, but also invite them for for networking events, right? I know that uh, for consulting firms, McKinsey invites invites interested uh, students to their offices. Bain will have their own event. BCG will have their own event and so on. And, and basically, for three days, the students are in Toronto networking as much as they can. And I think the, the, the scary thing to me is that for many students, the first time they're actually starting to think about networking and so on is when they actually go for that Get Connected week. And you know, you must understand this. When you are a McKinsey consultant, so imagine they have seven consultants at this cocktail event in Toronto that they're hosting for Ivy. And you've got like a, maybe 70 students arriving. 
how in the world are you going to network with those people? It's really difficult to network because they know you want something. So my, the moral of the story is that if you are waiting until June, July around get connected to start networking, it's too late. I can tell you right now it's too late. Consulting is not like banking. In banking, if you've got an okay resume and you can network well enough, you can get an interview. Consulting is not like that. In consulting, it takes a longer period to build relationships and networking doesn't necessarily get you interviews. You need to have a good profile. Even if you have a very good profile and you need to network, you've got to start it early. If you've got a weak profile and you're trying to network to get in, you've got to start even earlier. But the point is people are waiting too late. Get connected. July is not the time to do it, right? It's far too late. So what you should ideally be doing, and the students we've worked with, they normally start their networking around March, sometimes April, uh, sometimes even earlier, sometimes even February. And they do it so early because when they reach out to principals and so on in the Toronto offices, um, sometimes Montreal, sometimes Calgary, and even northeastern United States, there's not this expectation that the students are networking for the sake of networking because none of the other students are doing it. It's too early for them. You've got to start this period of networking, building the relationship. It takes time to build a relationship. It doesn't just happen over one drink, you know. You don't just meet the person at Get Connection and invite them for coffee the next day and you've built a network. It doesn't work that day way, right? So that's what's going to happen. Start your networking now. And if you think you don't have time, then trust me, you are really going to be out of things come June, July. You're not going to be able to get anywhere. Now, the other thing to remember is that Obviously, career management is going to help you with your essays and applications and so on. Now, from what I understand, career management is headed up by someone who worked at A.T. Carney, if I'm not mistaken. So he's never worked at McKinsey or BCG or Bain. I'm sure he's very helpful and the guy can place you there. But the point is, he's never worked at one of those um, um, elite firms. So, you know, take the advice you're going to get with a pinch of salt. Um, and don't rely on the career offer solely to get you in. I mean, they're going to help you write your resume as much as you can, but you've got to take charge and look at the examples from you know, Harvard and Wharton and so on, which I think actually write resumes a lot better than some of the other schools, including Ivy. You cannot rely on career management to help you. The second one, and when I hear this a lot from students, you know, they want to join the consulting club and they're going to go for case companies. Let me just be blunt on this. If you join the consulting club, it means nothing. It doesn't show any, you know, you can join the consulting club, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't even show you have an interest in consulting. All it shows me is that you're doing something last minute to show you have an interest in consulting. So if you have time constraints and you're worried about being the VP or president of the consulting club, my advice is don't do it. It doesn't help you. The only thing that counts is whether you have good grades, you have a good leadership profile, you have a good background and whether you can do well in cases in an interview. So consulting club is out. Case competitions means nothing at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, even if you win that case competition, the odds of you getting an interview at a consulting firm are average to weak. Because the way a cons case competition is run is not the way a case interview is run. In a case competition, you're working in a team environment, right? You have a lot more time to analyze things. It's not clear who did the analysis. So when it's time to present, it's not clear who gets the credit. It's not like if a team of four people won the case competition, all four are going to be invited for interviews. None may be invited for interviews, which has been the norm in many cases, right? So be wary of spending too much time on these case competitions. They don't really 
help. I mean, the only cases I've seen is I know Roland Berger, for some, in some cases, uh, gives the winning teams of some of their case competitions a chance to work as, uh, in an internship, right? But it's an internship. It, it may or may not lead to a full-time offer. But none of the case competitions at um, Ivy, for example, will lead to full-time offers, and none of them may even lead to, to interviews. So you have to be very wary of that. So consulting clubs, case competitions, eating up time, not very helpful. Now, obviously, the consulting club offers um, opportunities for you to practice cases, but in my opinion, it's the blind leading the blind. You know, Ivy is very different from INSEAD in the sense that there are not, I, I don't think in the last three years that any McKinsey, BCG, or Bain business analyst equivalent people had gone into Ivy with the intention to get the MBA in return. No. Ivy is a transition school. People go in with the hope to get into consulting. INSEAD is a feeder school. People go in with a consulting background, like, you know, the big three and Roland Berger, and then switch back into those firms. So the people coming into Ivy and setting up these consulting firms don't have any experience of working for the top three firms. It's the blind leading the blind. So when you're practicing your cases with these guys, remember, they don't know the answers, and they don't know what's expected of them. It's pure speculation. So if you are going to be practicing cases, make sure you get someone who's either an ex uh, BBM consultant, if you're targeting Roland Berger, an ex-Roland Berger consultant, if you're targeting Booz, an ex-Booz consultant, and make sure that you're getting the right kind of advice. The consulting clubs, case training approach at Ivy is only going to give you the foundational skills. It's not going to give you enough to pass your cases. Sure, there's always going to be one or two exceptions to the rules, but let me tell you something. An exception does not, it actually proves the rule that you can't get in by simply following the general um, or generic advice provided by these consulting clubs. And to be honest, I mean, they're not going to give you the extra push to move to the top. So if you know nothing about cases, it's a good foundational um, step, a foundation filling step to learn about cases, but it's not going to be enough for you to get the offers. You have to do more. And let me tell you something, be wary of people who say they didn't do more. I know most of the people who got placed. In fact, I think I know all of them who got placed. Um, and we obviously worked with quite a few of them. Um, a lot of them received help, whether it's from us or from their friends who at McKinsey or BCG, they received extra help. Um, most people who get in have that sort of inside track that they're, they're working with. So be aware of that in your preparation. The other thing is pay special attention to your cover letter and resume. Um, it shocks me a little bit, you know. I need to take out um, some, some, you know, smelling salts because it knocks me off when I see the lack of effort people put into their resumes and cover letters. You know, people forget that when you're in the Northeast, when you're in Toronto, you're competing with the Northeastern United States. You are competing with graduates from Booth, Kellogg, Ross, Harvard, Duke, MIT, for positions in Toronto or Northeastern United States. You're not just competing with Rotman and what are the other schools, McGill and Schulich or whatever it's called. The point is you're competing with all these other schools. So your resume has to stand against all these other schools, right? You should be taking three months to rewrite your resume. That's not a joke. You should be rewriting your resume at least 15 times over three months. And if you're not doing that, then you're doing something wrong in your resume as far as I'm concerned. Writing your resume takes time. It's not something that you can do intensely for a week and say it's done. No. it's, it's As you write your resume, you learn about yourself. And it takes about three months through your MBA to learn about yourself. Moreover, what you think is important in your resume is not necessarily what is important to a consulting firm. So I see many resumes, obviously, and we see hundreds of resumes over the week, and it always baffles me when people write a resume that they haven't taken the time to, to think about, to get feedback, and, and to rewrite. You know, a lot of resumes are just not accomplishment-driven. So someone is writing about 
work they did at, for example, General Electric in the Corporate Finance Division. But rather than writing out the accomplishment, they write out a roll call of their duties. No one cares about the duties you should have done. They want to see the accomplishment. You can be measured on your accomplishment, but you cannot be measured on the roll call of duties you had. Duties are what you perform. Accomplishments are how you did it. Cover letters. This one I just don't understand. Your resume is a nice way to differentiate yourself, okay? But it's not enough. Your resume is um, it's sound bites. Sound bites don't sell. I mean, your cover letter is pretty much a blank sheet of paper. It's, it's a blank canvas. And a firm is telling you, take this blank canvas and draw us a beautiful painting of your life to get attention. And people write me these horribly generic sounding cover letters. And, you know, I'm not saying that these guys from Harvard and both um, are necessarily any better. We deal with a lot of them and they need help. But you are competing with the best in the world. I mean, within that 1,000 square meter radius, or maybe 500 square meter radius, I think. Yeah, 500 square meter radius. You're doing with some of the, the most accomplished MBA students in the world. Your cover letter should not be as good as your colleagues from Ivy. They should be as good as the people you're going to be competing against from the other schools. That is very important. So, take care with your cover letter and resume. I've talked extensively about it, so I'm not going to go into the genetic feedback. Let's talk about timing, right? You're going to get a break somewhere. I think it's the end of July or the end of August. I think it's, I think it's the end of July. And I think what's important is that I've seen many students decide that this will be their time off. As far as I'm concerned, that break in, in, in the end of, um, in the end of uh, July it must be the time you do the bulk of your case preparation. It is the only week you're going to have, literally. Because come August, you're back into, you know, it becomes intense again. You'll be writing cover letters. You'll be writing resumes. You should not be doing these things in September. September is when the applications go out, right? So August is this is this vital time when you should be spending preparing for cases. If you don't have someone to train with, you find someone before August. That week is crucial. It is a pivotal week to reposition your career. I, I cannot even stress this enough. August, that final, that week when you get a, a week off is where you make or break your decision to get into a top consulting firm. When we work with candidates, people notice that we go pretty much silent in August because that's when we deal with the bulk of our, of our um, Toronto-based candidates. We go silent because it is crunch period for us. We work flat out with them. We basically lock ourselves away and we deal with them. If you are busy climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or trekking through the um, you know, plains of North Africa at that time, you're dead meat. You need to basically be preparing in that crunch period because come August, cases are going to start again, classes are going to start, but also firms have their own events at the business school. So, but early September, you're going to be basically writing something like, you're going to be writing all your cover letters, right? <coughs> you're also going to be attending all these networking events. And those are tiring to do. Trust me, you can't do all of them. So you've got to really pick and choose very carefully. Now, grades matter, right? If you're one of these people who's getting away with an 80 to 83% average at Ivy, the chance of you getting called for an interview with the major firms is small to medium. If you're pushing an 83% average or above, you're in good company, right? 
because if you consider that the highest in the class on average is sits anywhere between 86 and uh, 88, if you're putting an 83% average, you're probably in the top quartile of the class. So the 83% average is what you are you know, uh, catering for. And the other important thing you need to remember here is that a lot of the firms are going to send you an email saying that they liked your profile and they would like you to apply and then they'll put you in touch with someone in the firm who's going to talk to you. Now, I've seen this before. A lot of candidates think thinks because they've received this email, it means they're going to get the interview. It means nothing like that. The team that screens off resumes does it very quickly and sends this email. And the rule that they have when they do the screening is they go broad, right? They try to get in as many people as logical to submit resumes, the team that actually screens the resumes and sends out the invites for interviews will 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 cull this broad list to about eight. On average, only eight people are going to be invited from Ivy MBA program for a Bain, BCG, McKinsey interview. Maybe ten sometimes, but that's about it. So about eight to ten out of 170 students are going to be invited for an interview. There's less than 10% of the class. So due to the math, it's small. So. Even if you get this email or this this call from the firm saying, look, you know what, you've been um, shortlisted uh, and we really like your profile, you must apply. You work hard to get your cover letter and resume ready and to make sure your grades are well up there. Very important. Then when the actual interviews come along, it's going to be intense. I mean, you're going to be doing it over like a week-long period. My advice to you is that if you haven't done the work coming into August. There's nothing you can do in September. So if you're one of those people who's been sort of putting it off and saying, come August, I'll put my you know, foot to the accelerator. That's it. Game over. The work to get in <coughs> is done well before August. And the interviews are going to go through quickly. There's not a lot you can do at the last minute. Um, any last minute if you're doing last minute preparation, you're dead. I know a lot of people who tell me that they're practicing with um, uh, people from uh, BCG and Bain and so on in September. And let me tell you something, you're not practicing when you're doing a case for the first time with someone from BCG in September. You are learning how to do the case. You practice once you've learned to do the case by yourself with colleagues from your class, but you practice once you know the case. If you're doing it for the first time or just for the fifth time with someone from BCG, you're actually learning and you're actually hurting your chances because you end up looking pretty bad. And no, and let me tell you something. For those students who are listening from Hy-Vee, only one of you is going to get into McKinsey, one at BCG and one at Bain. Period. Right? It's not going to be like 10 of you. It's not going to be like 5 of you. It's not going to be like 6 of you, just one. Maybe two, but my guess is one. So out of a class of 170, three, maybe five are going to get into uh, BBM, and the rest are just going to, you know, settle for other careers. So it's important, it's pivotal that you plan ahead. And hopefully this question has addressed some of the you know issues or concerns that students have as they make their applications. The key thing, the vital thing is that you got to do all of the work as early as possible. If you're doing it after you join, it's too late. And of course, most students will be doing it after they join because they just don't have exposure to the right kind of advice, the right kind of guidance to prepare them for this. Forget what everyone tells you. I mean, we've got three or four years out of data, so and we deal with these students, so we can tell you right now the vast majority of people are not going to make it because they're preparing too late and they don't know what they're getting into. So forget about everything you read. The point is, 
eight out of eight of you are going to get the interview one of you will get the offer and it will come down not to the person who is the smartest in class and some but the one who carries himself the best the one who prepares for cases the best and the one who's the most confident and of course there's going to be some of you as in every year who gets offers or gets into the final round and withdraws that's wonderful if it happens to you but of course you know we're dealing we're talking about those people who want to go all the way and decide to go all the way for the offer the key thing is start early and do it the right way um, there's no other way to prepare for this.